chapter 7. We've been making our way through the book of Luke. If this is your first time joining us, um, and in a couple years we'll finish it or something like that. Uh, But I'm excited because over these next five weeks, what tends to happen when you preach through a book of the Bible, you'll find sermon series inside of a sermon series. Does that make sense to y'all? And so over these next five weeks, we're going to be going over um, and seeing ways that Jesus interacts with humanity, and he's doing it in some major ways, right? And so over these next few weeks, we will be able to see and learn more about who Jesus really is, right? We'll see um, what he cares about, um, what he does um, with things in our lives like doubt, Right, what he's doing about those things, what he thinks um, is actually great in this world versus what he thinks is not great in this world. Right, and we'll see things like um, who he came here to forgive. But today, we're going to be able to look at Jesus and see what is it in this world, in our lives, that really, truly amazes Jesus. We're going to be talking about faith this morning. Y'all say faith. Faith. And so uh, what I'm excited about um, this sermon is that it challenges everybody. Um, No matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, whether today's your first day or you've been walking with Jesus for longer than I've been alive, your faith matters to Jesus. Um, And so let's just get a basic understanding of what faith is. Faith is believing without seeing. Do you guys agree with that? That you have faith in things that you cannot see. And so today we're going to look and see how Jesus, or why Jesus cares about our faith, uh, faith and how he rewards um, a certain faith. Amen? Amen? You guys excited? Amen. Awesome. Let's pray and we'll dig in. Heavenly Father, um, God, you're so good. Um, throughout all this morning, throughout the whole week, we can all look and see how you are blessing our lives, God. Um, and like the song that we just sang, that you, know, you don't condemn us, um, but you have compassion on us, God, and that you have a plan to restore humanity. And that is through your son, Jesus. That all we need to do is put our faith and trust completely in your son. God, I pray that as we look through your word, um, as we dig in, God, that you would speak to us. God, I pray that anyone here um, is on the fence about believing in you. God, I pray that you just push them closer to you. Draw them in um, and challenge us, God. Lord, we love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some in your pews. If you want to take one of those home, that's a gift from us. But Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Um, and he says, it says this, After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. So if you haven't been with us, let's give you a little context. Jesus just finished his sermon on the plane. I mean, we spent multiple weeks going through his sermon, um, but now he's in his headquarters of ministry in Capernaum. And, and so if you, have, if you remember his sermon, he basically, make it real short and sweet, was showing us how as followers of him, as Christians, how we should live in this world and in this culture that is totally against him. Right. I mean, to really summarize that whole past like four or five weeks that we just went, he was showing us how we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, should live in today's world. Okay, so what we're about to see is his entire sermon played out in a very uncommon man. 
Okay, We're about to see his entire sermon played out. And there we get to see Jesus being amazed by this man's faith. So in the New Testament, there's only two times where Jesus was amazed. I mean, if you read through Scripture, Jesus amazed everybody. I mean, he was popular. right? The word about him was spreading like wildfire. But only two times the Scripture says that Jesus was amazed by man. One time he was amazed at the unbelief from the nation of Israel. I mean, that's how, like their unbelief, right? Them not believing Jesus and his words and his life, it amazed Jesus. He says, y'all a bunch of idiots. <laughs> like, you, you've studied about me your entire life and you do not know me. And their unbelief amazed Jesus. This man that we're about to study today, the centurion, his faith, later on, we're going to read the scripture, it completely amazed Jesus, right? And so, a centurion, what you need to understand about this is that a centurion is a Roman army leader of no less than 100 men, okay? And what I didn't know before, but what I found out this week is these men were trained to, by themselves, kill in war 100 men. So this wasn't just your normal army leader. These men were bad brothers, right? A hundred dudes that they can kill by themselves. So commonly, a Roman centurion was not a friendly kind of guy, right? I want you to think of the most manly men that you've ever met in your life. My grandpa was a World War II master sergeant in the Air Force. I was afraid to go home when I got detention in school. Because I knew there was no compassion when I got home. This army man was about to tear me up. Has anybody experienced that before? Raise your hand. Okay. This Roman centurion, commonly, they were mean, power-hungry, ruthless, hated pretty much everyone, but especially people who would not conform to the Roman Empire. Right? Roman centurion right here. So here's what's awesome. That's the common centurion, not this guy. Right? Look at verse 2. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. So we're not going to sugarcoat this. The Greek word for the servant actually is doulos, which means slave. So this Roman centurion, this Roman army official had a slave that he highly valued. That is uncommon. Normally in this time period, there was no love, there was no compassion. You were my servant, you're going to do what I tell you to do, period. But this guy had compassion and he highly valued his servant. And, and what I never realized, how many of you read this story before? Raise your hand. What I've never, uh, never took grasp of is the urgency that the centurion was in in this scenario. I mean, his servant was on his deathbed. His life was ending. He had no, I mean, he was literally, I need to heal my servant. And what did the centurion turn to? Let's look, verse 3. If you didn't know the answer, we're going to read it. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. This Roman army official turns towards Jesus. And it says that he heard about Jesus. Did he see Jesus? 
He heard about, no, no. He heard about Jesus. And what did he hear? Remember we said earlier that Jesus just finished his sermon. And all throughout Jesus' ministry up until this point, the word about him is spreading. I mean, he's heard about the many things that he's been able to do, how he teaches with authority. Remember, every time Jesus speaks, people question him. Who is this that speaks with so much authority? He doesn't say the word says. Jesus, when he preaches, go, I say. It's authority. So the centurion, he's heard about this, uh, this man, Jesus, who teaches with authority. And then he heard about this guy, Jesus, who has authority over the demons. Remember, we talked about that. Here comes a man who's possessed. Nobody knows what to do with them. And Jesus walks up and they're like, whoa, 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 Jesus, why are you here? Are you here to harm us? And Jesus says, be silent. Shut your mouth. So he's heard about Jesus who has authority even over dark spiritual things. Huh? This is good. And he's heard about Jesus who has the authority to heal people. I mean, remember, we, I mean, it was a few weeks ago, Jesus couldn't go out of the house because people were just bringing all the sickos in the whole community, everyone who has diseases and leprosies, and Jesus just healing everybody. This man, this centurion, after hearing about Jesus, in a time of desperation, my friends dying, send some Jewish elders to go and get Jesus. Y'all, y'all with me right now? Huh? Are you, is it too warm in here? Do I need to turn the air on? This is good stuff, right? And, and so he hears him, but I want you to see what's happening from this Roman centurion. He hears about Jesus and believes what he hears, right? This, this hearing, not seeing, turns into faith for this man. And because of his faith and what he hears, his faith turns into action. His faith literally comes from hearing and believing, not seeing Jesus. He didn't see any of this take place, but he heard and he believed and his faith grew and his faith turned into action. Go get Jesus. I need Jesus. So what I'm trying to get across here, guys, is your faith has to equal action. Faith has to be in movement. It's not enough just to go, I believe in Jesus Christ. That is not enough. Even the demons believe and shudder. Your faith has to be in action. Has to be in action. He said, go get Jesus. This is my only hope. Go get Jesus. This man had the money for doctors. Right? And he's getting paid by the Roman government. He had the money. He had the resources. He could have got the medicine. He could have went to some witch doctor. Right? He could have done those things. But he heard about Jesus and believed That he was more than just some good guy. And he heard about Jesus and believed that Jesus is the one who has authority. So he sent, go get Jesus. Y'all with me? Faith has to equal action. Your faith has to be moving. Okay? So, So now, what we get to see now is the centurion, his faith played out a little more. And we're about to learn something. And this is, I want you to notice what these Jewish elders say and what this centurion say. Okay, so he sends these elders and look at verse 4. <clears throat> and when they came to Jesus, okay, this is the Jewish elders, okay, in the community. They pleaded with him earnestly, saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. 
So these guys were pleading for Jesus. Jesus, please, do you, you need to come and help this guy out. And, and so this is a very uncommon situation here. Okay? If you don't know your history, I'll make it real simple. The Jews hated the Roman government. Okay? The Roman government did nothing but oppress and oppress and oppress the Jewish nation. The, the nation of Israel. I mean, oppress them, oppress them, oppress them. And so this is an uncommon thing for these Jewish elders to come in and say, Jesus, he is worthy. Huh? You guys, are you guys seeing this? He is worthy. And why did they say that the centurion was worthy? Mm. Listen to what he says. He loves our nation. Also very uncommon. Roman centurion's job was to keep people in order. If they didn't fall in line with the Roman government, wipe them out. He loves our nation. And then he said, and he built our synagogue, our place of worship. So this centurion man loves the nation of Israel. He loves God's people. He loves God. He worships. He built the temple for worship. So he believes, right? These elders, they come to Jesus and they're pleading with this, for this man. And what are they showing Jesus? Why is this man worthy? Because of all of his good deeds. Right? I mean, Jesus, he has done this. Jesus, he's done this. Jesus, he's done this. And he's done this. So Jesus, he's worthy. He's done this. So you have to do this for him. How many of you have ever done that before? Oh, man. Jesus, I've gone to church. Jesus, I did this. Jesus, I gave my tithe, so I need my money back now. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. Um, what's awesome is I, I want you to see something about Jesus here, and we'll talk about it, but look at verse 6 for me. After hearing all these things, and Je- it says this, and Jesus went with them. It doesn't say he was amazed yet. Right? I mean, and he just went. He, at this point, he hears these good deeds, and he goes, all right, cool. Where, am I? Where do I need to go? He's not amazed with the centurion yet. But I want you to hear me. Jesus isn't amazed by just our outward deeds. Right? I need you to hear me. When it comes to our righteousness, our worthiness, There isn't enough good deeds to be done in a lifetime for us to be made worthy in front of Jesus. There's not enough. There's not a long enough list for us to complete for Jesus to look at us and go, you did all that? Awesome. Now you're worthy. It's not enough. But here's here's, here's the thing. We get transformed by God. When God meets us where we're at, We get transformed. Our faith gets strengthened. That is why we go and do things. That is why we go and serve. That is why we give more money. That's why we say, I love you regardless. That's why I go to church. That's why I teach. That's why I surrender to ministry. That's why I sign up to teach in Awanas. That's why I sign up for the Fall Fest. That's why I pray over people. Because God has transformed me. We don't do these things for God to make us worthy. We are worthy because of His Son, Jesus Christ. Period. Let's keep digging though. Because the centurion is about to teach us some things here. This this Roman centurion. Look at verse 6. And Jesus went with them. When He was not far from the house, 
the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. This Roman army official calls Jesus Lord. Huh? Lord. Okay? And, and, and interesting. This Roman centurion loves the nation of Israel, builds a synagogue, worships God, loves his slaves, is calling a Jewish man Lord. That Greek word is Kyrios, which means Lord of all. This is a big deal, right? This, this is a big deal. We have this Roman ruler calling Jesus Lord, and this shows us a couple of things about his belief. This shows us a couple of things about his faith. The first thing it shows us that he actually believes that Jesus had the power to heal and that Jesus truly is the Lord over all. This is huge. This is big. Because this Roman centurion did not grow up knowing who God was, did not grow up going to church, going to synagogue. He had just heard about Jesus and goes, yes, he is Lord. 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 And in our culture today, everyone, yeah, Jesus is real awesome. I believe in Jesus, but they've never made Jesus the Lord of their life. That's different. Mm. He said, don't trouble yourself. He had enough faith in Jesus. He says, if you just say the word, you can heal my servant. That's some long distance healing. huh? That's some Steph Curry beyond the three-point line shooting and making the shot. Jesus being able to long distance heal. No one else found that amazing. I, thought, I think that's awesome. right? It's one thing to see someone get healed in front of you, but if you can long distance heal someone... Your Lord for sure, right? <laughs> don't even bother. Don't trouble yourself. Just say the word. And then he says, I am not worthy. And what's funny to me is throughout Jesus' ministry, we see this battle between um, the Jewish nation of Israel, right? These, these Jews and their mindset and how they thought they had it all figured out. And then Jesus comes, uses someone like a Gentile. And a Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. Uses them to show, you got it wrong. Your heart's not in it. Look at this person. And, and he just goes on and on and just constantly points um, that it has to be a heart transformation. That's what counts. These Jews and the elders came and they outlined he was worthy because. You should help him because. And the centurion comes and goes, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not worthy for you to even step foot under my roof. Jesus, stop where you're at. I am unworthy for you to even come to me. I wouldn't even presume to come to you. That's how unworthy I am, Jesus. But just, you are Lord. Just say it and my servant will be healed. And so what this shows us, I, I want you to see this mindset that the centurion had, this humbleness that he had. Jesus is Lord. That's the kind of faith that this man had. That in the last moments of his servant's life, where he could have said, my power, my money, my resources, give me the best doctor here. He turns and goes, no, no, I need the Lord. I, I need the healer. I need the one who has authority, Jesus. I'm not worthy. Please, just speak a word. I trust in you. 
Now this next verse, what this man's about to say is huge. Look at verse 8. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servants, I say, do this, and he does it. He is showing us that his faith in Jesus is not only that he has authority over the human body to heal people and has the power to heal long distance-wise, right? But that through being someone who has power and has authority over other people, he looks at Jesus and it's that real recognized, real kind of moment. Jesus, you are obviously someone who has more authority than I do. You are someone who's set under authority bigger than what I can ever comprehend. And what that shows us is that this Roman centurion knew that he was sent by someone else. Huh? That this man, Jesus was sent under a bigger authority than he can imagine. You have authority. Calls him Lord. Jesus, Lord, you have power and authority. I I love what he does here. He said, just speak a word. And he understands that there's only one person that you can go to and say, just speak a word and it happens. Who is that one person? God, God Almighty. I mean, look at creation. Jesus, or God, speaks a word, and then it's there. He doesn't need resources. doesn't need help. He speaks. There it is. Jesus, speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Look at this man's faith. Look at his faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The convictions of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their condemnation. How many of you are people of old? God bless you, right? This type of faith that this centurion had was the same type of faith that Noah had when God told Noah, build a boat. Think about that for a second. If you didn't grow up in a church, God told Noah, go build this massive ark, right? Go build this. Why? Because it's about to rain. What is rain? Jesus, well, God, what, what the heck are you talking about? But there was no question. Noah built the boat. He built the ark. It never rained. He had his faith in God, knowing that God was better than him, had bigger plans than him, and he believed. And not the building of the boat was not what gave him his uh, righteousness, but his faith in God is what brought him righteousness. Huh? Abraham. God tells him, lay your son down on the altar. You're going to sacrifice him. There's no question. He had no idea what was coming. He just believed that God knew what God was doing, laid his son down. And if you don't know, God's not even sacrificing babies, right? He, he provides another sacrifice for Abraham. But it wasn't the act of laying his son down was the only thing that brought him righteousness. It was his faith. And the Bible literally says his belief, his, his faith is what brought him righteousness. It was counted to him as righteousness. That kind of faith that says Jesus is my all in all. How many times have you guys sang that song growing up? Right? It's that type of faith that says Jesus is it. There's no other options. It's only Jesus. It's this type of faith 
that it says, Jesus, you heal or my servant dies. That's it. And Jesus, but you are, you're it. I have no other options. The kind of faith that says, Jesus, you are Lord, you forgive me, or I'm damned to hell forever. I'm not worthy. I'm not getting into heaven without you, Jesus. It's that kind of faith that truly believes that Jesus is the Son of God, and through Him, all can be made brand new. And I want you to look at the type of faith that this centurion has and how Jesus responds to it. Okay, Look at verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned to the crowd that followed him and said, I tell you right now, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Not even in the nation that have been called God's people for generation after generation after generation, not even in all of them, has Jesus seen faith like this Roman centurion. Listen, Jesus cares very deeply about your obedience to Him. He cares very, very deeply about it. He goes as far to say that if you love me, you will keep my commands. I mean, that's deep, right? I mean, if my wife said, Donnie, if you love me, you will take out the trash. There won't be a... Oh, I, she hasn't said this, thank God. But if she did, there would never be a speck of trash in our trash can. Right? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. But when it comes to your righteousness... When it comes to your salvation, when it comes to your forgiveness for offending the king and the creator of the universe, Jesus does not look at your deeds. He doesn't look at your church attendance. He doesn't look at your skin color or where you're from or who your family is or who built the church. He looks only at your faith in him being the Lord over your entire life. That's what Jesus looks at. But he cares deeply about your obedience. That's not what saves you. God cares about your faith in his son being your all in all. Your righteousness. You're believing that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through his son. Right? This is the type of faith that amazes Jesus. Right? So remember I said we're looking at who Jesus is. Jesus is a Lord amazed by faith. You want to amaze God? Huh? You want God to look at you and go, man, do it with your faith and how much you trust Him with. Right? How much you trust Him with your money, how much you trust Him with your family, how much you trust Him with your time, how much you trust Him with your health, how much you trust Him with your other people around you. Amaze Jesus by your faith. And here, here's what this whole thing points us to, okay? This whole thing just shows us that God is a God of compassion, a God of power, and a God who has a plan to care for his people as we live in this broken, dying, corrupted, sin-filled world, right? 
And, and how is this plan played out? Through his son, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10. And we'll end with this. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. They found the servant well. Faith is believing without seeing. Right? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 that the Jews demanded signs and the Gentiles, the Greeks, they sought out wisdom. Right? But the problem that happens when you want to see signs and miracles before you believe in Jesus is you'll never have enough signs and miracles. Right? He'll do something and you'll, oh, well, just give me another sign. And here's another sign. Well, I just need you to show me again, Jesus. Right? If you show me a sign, I'll do this. And then here's another sign. Right? Look at, think about the Jews. They saw Jesus and what he did constantly over and over and over and over. Sign after sign after sign. And they still didn't believe him. So when you ask for Jesus, I'll, I'll believe if you show me a sign, there'll never be enough for you. Right? When, when you're seeking out wisdom and more wisdom, I just need to learn more. Before I follow Jesus, I just need to learn, I just need to learn, I just need to learn. That's not bad. Wisdom is good. But what tends to happen is you begin to think that you know it all. Right? You get a little puffed up. And then when Jesus tells you to do something, you go, mm, I don't know. I, I think I know a little better than you. Huh? But the faith, the type of faith that Jesus requires is a faith that is assured in the things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So when you put your faith in Jesus being the Son of God, who came not to condemn the world, but that might through Him we will be saved, when you put your faith in that, in His life, and His death and resurrection, that He came to save the world, Jesus rewards that. That's what it meant. He, he said He blesses that thing. <clears throat> And just like Jesus, when he healed the centurion servant, just by his word, didn't have to be there, didn't have to do an examination, right? Didn't check a temperature, just long distance healed him, didn't have to be present. The Bible tells us that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ today, that the Holy Spirit of God Almighty will fill your life and you will be made new. You will be healed. You'll be forgiven. And it's almost better than Jesus being here in present. So we get the Spirit of God. Don't be scared, Baptist. <laughs> we get the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of our lives. Talk about long-distance healing, baby. Right? This is the plan of God to restore the world and to restore all of us. This is His plan. And one day, listen, one day, Jesus promised he's coming back. Amen. And when he does, our faith will become sight. And we will see the glory of the Son of God coming down and restoring all things. This is good. This is good. And so here's how we're going to do this, okay? What does your faith look like right now? Sometimes our faith takes some hard hits, right? Anybody take some hard hits in your faith? Absolutely. If not, you live in a bubble. 
But what does your faith look like right now? Is it a faith that Jesus could be amazed at? Or are there other things in your life that you would rather turn to than Jesus himself? Hmm? Whether it be for your own pleasure, your, your relationships, um, your sex life, your money. What is it that you turn to to provide for you rather than God Almighty? What kind of faith do you have? Is your faith equal action? I mean, is your faith in God and, and believing that He has power and authority over all things, is that kind of faith that you have in Him, is it pushing you into action? It should. I promise you that slow motion is better than no motion. Huh? If not, if your faith isn't in action, it starts with you becoming obedient and doing what the Lord calls you to do. Right? But right now, the last, last little bit here, I'm not done, I promise. Actually, y'all can come up and, and start playing. The last thing that we need to handle is if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as, as the Lord and Savior over your entire world, Today is that day. Right? In, in the skate ministry, we talked about how, or in the youth, we talked about how we don't know when we're going to die. We're all promised death. Right? All of us promise death. You agree? Maybe in a few years you can put your heart in some robot and it can live on. I don't know. That's weird stuff. Right? We're all going to die. And I asked the youth department last week if you knew the day and the time and the hour, the minute, the second that you were going to die and no longer exist, what would you do with that time? And if you've never placed your faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior and your time was called, that was it, you are damned to hell forever. But there's a hope that we have and that we hang on to, this whole plan that God has to restore what He created. And that plan is played out through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for you while you were yet sinning, while you yet offended Him constantly. He died for you. So that your faith can be made sight when He comes and gets you, or you go to Him. But you have to surrender to Him. Your faith, your hope has to be placed in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Huh? And so what we're going to do is I'm going to come down here and if you need to make a decision for Jesus, maybe you want to place your faith and trust in Him for the first time, I'm, I'm going to meet you down here. Right? When you do that, all of heaven literally throws a party. Right? That's what the Bible tells us. But I have a feeling, I'm being kind of led, that a lot of our faith in here hasn't been really put into action. And the only thing, the only way to get that jump started is to bow before the king like the centurion and go, I'm not worthy, but you have authority. And to make a step towards Jesus. So the altar is going to be here for you to come and pray. I'm here to pray with you. 
You want to join the church? What, I don't, whatever you need to do, we're going to do it right here, right now. So stand and I'll pray. And then you have to handle your home business with the Lord. <laughs>